Welcome listeners to a brand new bonus episode of Oh My Word podcast and today we have a really exciting treat because our special guest today is, okay, he's an illustrator who also is a writer and also is a character designer for film, for animation. Okay, he'll explain. But doubly exciting is that he is the illustrator of the Malamander series, which if everybody remembers, we did the review for the Malamander books and we got to speak to Thomas Taylor, the writer of Malamander. So now everything is coming together because we have with us Tom Booth. Tom, welcome. Hi, Esther. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I am really excited to have you. Anybody who's connected with the Malamander series for me is just automatically on like a different level. So I'm so excited to be speaking on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's an awesome series to be a part of and it's just really cool to see the response from fans. I'm feeling pretty lucky that I was invited to be a part of it. So it's been a really cool world and I'm really enjoying being a part of it too. So I'm glad to know that you like it so much. Yes. So, okay, we'll hold the Malamander for a second. We'll get back to that because... How do you get, especially because you've got the illustration and also writing and also the character design. So what came first? How did this all start? How did you get into all of this? Not to go all the way back, but it kind of does go way back. I mean, I was around the age of like maybe five or six and copying my brother because I wanted to do everything that he did. And for a period of time, he was pretty focused on drawing. And so I was focused on drawing. And then he kind of got a little bit more interested in sports. But I drawing was like this thing that just became, it's like the one constant in my life. I've just always done it and grew up, went to college. Um, but I didn't go to college for art specifically. I ended up studying history and also studying studio art at Hamilton College. And then when I graduated, I moved to the city. I'm originally from outside Philadelphia, and I moved to the city, New York City, and started working at Scholastic, the publishing house. And I I worked there for about a decade, a little bit longer. And in that time, I was always just drawing. I never thought it would would sort of unfold the way that it has, but it's just slowly but surely, I kind of like worked my way into being a children's book illustrator and then also an author. And it's like this little hobby turned career (laughs) but always been a passion and kind of a gift that keeps on giving it's it's very hard at some times but it's i can't imagine doing anything else so that's kind of a very general broad strokes look at how i got to where i am today but yeah it's just i've always done it since i was a little kid and it's just i had a pretty big moment i think when i was maybe around the age of 10 or 11 where i actually met a children's book author and illustrator stephen kellogg he just came to visit my school and i just saw that he was doing it as a job and i think that had a pretty profound impact on me. I don't think I necessarily realized that it could be a job that I could have, but it was a moment that looking back on it now, I was like, oh yeah, I was able to see someone drawing the way that I was, but on a different level. And then I was able to hold his books in my hand and I slowly pieced it together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just to backtrack for a second, when you went to college, there was no intention of doing anything art academically, or you did still take some sort of art classes when you were there. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I feel like I would like to think that I'm not the only person who wasn't sure what he was going to do when he got to college. Yeah. So I went to Hamilton because I just sort of fell in love with the place. And history was the major that I chose because I loved stories and history Mm. is one big story. Yeah. And then there were also studio art classes that maybe weren't on the level of something that you'd find at like a RISD or a CalArts or something like that. But I was still sharpening those skills and figuring out what I wanted to do. And I think while I was taking classes in like anatomy and perspective, I was 
was still always kind of like doing cartoons. So I did cartoons for the school paper. I would sort of always find a way to just exercise that creative muscle. But it was never really like a plan, I would say. It wasn't like, okay, I just need to do this, then I need to do this, and then I'll get to this. It was more just like, this is something that I love to do. And then when opportunities came my way, I was prepared for them because I had spent that whole time like practicing basically. So... Right. Okay, this is a side question. Do you ever get when you tell people that you're an illustrator, they're like, oh, you're an artist? Like they think that you're like an artsy type who it's not like a career thing or people when you say illustrator, they hold that in like a different kind of regard. It's funny. It's like, I don't think usually, I mean, people are definitely more comfortable, I think, with the term artist because (laughs) I guess, I mean, just because it's kind of a catch-all, you know, I'm actually less comfortable with the term, I think, because I think an illustrator is what draws me to that form of art is the storytelling aspect. Like, that's really what I'm passionate about at the end of the day, I think, is just whatever form it takes, storytelling is what I'm the most interested in. And I think just because I've always drawn, there's been that happy marriage between the two. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because it's like the work that I do as a character character designer is different from illustration that's really more design and I'm also kind of figuring this stuff out as I go too you kind of just my path was just I was just always drawn and I think because I was working in publishing because I was sort of very interested in that world and everything and and eventually sort of ran into the right people I think I was probably on a maybe a subconscious level kind of actively working towards that goal I didn't really ever think that I would end up in a job like being a character designer but with social media I started putting my stuff out in different ways and more opportunities have come my way as a result so I don't know if that answers the question but there's so many different terms for these different jobs and it's kind of hard even when you're doing them to know which one you're doing (laughs) It's just like, what do you need me to create? That's when you kind of hope that you get a really good art director for the project that you're working on because they can help steer you and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, I guess you could say writing, it's kind of sort of the same also because it could be novel, it could be of journalism, it could be magazine writing and, or poetry and all these things are not necessarily the same, but you could have certain skills that spill over into all of them. So it makes sense what you're saying, that it's it's more where the focus of the art is. So it's not just the catch-all term, but like where you're specifically geared. Yeah, so it does make sense. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. As long as you're developing the skill, it be it writing or drawing or it's almost like as long as you're also trying different avenues where you can apply that skill you'll eventually land on something where you feel more capable or comfortable and i think that that's maybe how i landed in some of the jobs that i've had at least in the last you know few years where it's like oh i didn't even really know that this was something that i could do but this is kind of like right up my alley but again i would probably only feel that way because i just spent years after you know every day just like sharpening this skill purely because i I love to do it and that's kind of where i feel pretty lucky this is just something i've done since i was six i'm now being paid to do it and i'd probably do it even even if i wasn't being paid so that's amazing um, yeah yeah Well, just because now you mentioned it, character design, and we actually have, there's a previous bonus episode that we spoke to someone who's an animator. Oh, storyboard artist. He's a storyboard artist. So do those things sort of connect to each other or what is character design? Like, how does that work? I'm relatively new to the industry, so you'll have to forgive me if I'm giving misleading information, but my understanding is that a storyboard artist is really almost playing the part of director in a way, in that they are crafting how a scene will play out. Because when you think about it, you know, I think a lot of people maybe aren't aware that when you're creating an animated feature or a TV show, you're creating every single thing that appears in that screen you have to create. It's not like you're going to a location and then just filming something. So the storyboard artist is really kind of very focused on who are, are the characters, what is the world that they're in, how does the action play out. They're responsible for a lot of different things in terms of how the story is told. And then 
a character designer is someone who is really going to be defining the look of the characters who are in those scenes. How do you tell a story of someone just by looking at them? And it goes beyond what is their hair color? What is, do they have freckles? That kind of thing. Like those are obviously distinguishing features, but one of the fun challenges of a job like that of a character designer is that you want to be able to sort of get a sense of someone just by a glance. And I think that that's something that we kind of do where you can kind of look at someone and be like, oh, they probably come from a different place than I do and that kind of thing. And so the, the job of a character designer is to sort of figure out what that looks like and define it. So you're just making a single sketch of a character or there's multiple sketches that go into this or drawing? It's different from job to job, but the more ideas you can present, the better. So to answer your question, let's say I get a character, I'll get a description along with that character. Let's say the character's name is Sue and I'll get a description of who Sue is from the author. And then based on that little backstory, I then have to sort of picture Sue in my head and then put that down on paper. My job is to sort of extract the director's vision from their head. Um, And in order to do that, the best approach I've found is to just throw out as many ideas as you can, which is super fun and also super challenging because it's just like, how can you approach this problem from as many angles as possible? Because by doing that, you can then work with the director and they can say, oh, I love this hair or I love this outfit. And you're slowly kind of working your way towards something that feels like what the director has envisioned. So it's a lot of trial and error, I would say. And then who sees that? Who are those intended for? So that's very much a sort of behind the scenes part of the process. There's a ton of art that is created for animated features and television shows that just you never see. And they'll make something like an art of book where you can get some of that. But to do that kind of job, you have to understand and be prepared for the fact that a lot of the work that you're creating is probably going to get not necessarily thrown out, but not selected. And so that's really your patience and your love of the craft is really tested because you might fall in love with one of your ideas. You might have very strong opinions that this is the Sue that I, how I envision her. But if it doesn't align with the greater vision, then you have to be prepared to let that go. It's kind of like the expression killing your darlings. I don't know if you've used that before, but like you might have an idea for your story that you absolutely love. It might even be one of the ideas that you had that inspired you to write the story in the first place. But as you develop the story, there may come a time where you realize this is a great moment, but it's probably no longer the right fit for the story I'm trying to tell. And days when you have to let those ideas go can be pretty tough, but they're just sort of part of it. Yeah. So when you do complete the sketch, is that going back to the director or goes to the animators or? It goes back to the director. Oh, okay. So if it's approved by the director, then eventually it will make its way to the animators. With a lot of animated programs being 3D these days, there are a few other steps in between where you have to create a three-dimensional character out of a two-dimensional drawing. And then from there, you have to do something which is called rigging, which is essentially creating a bone structure for the character. And then you're also creating sort of rules. So if they open their mouth, then their face will stretch a certain way. Once all of those rules of the character are established how they will move physically then they're handed over to an animator who can then bring them to life oh wow your study of history do you ever tap into that because in a way history is a study of so many different cultures and peoples and if you're trying to create a character are you also kind of drawing on like different looks from different centuries sort of things modernizing them or you know whatever you could do with that or is that not necessarily a conscious thing that's occurring I would love to say that I have <laughs> retained all of what I learned in college and can, at the drop of a hat, 
be like, well, this reminds me of the battle of <laughs> whatever. But the truth is, I have completely forgotten my major. I think because at the end of the day, I've always been an illustrator, and that's just really kind of how my brain works. I will say, however, that being in a history major, studying at Hamilton, which had a very heavy emphasis on writing and just having to turn around papers weekly, that was really where I exercised the writing muscle. Yeah. I would not say that I'm as comfortable as a writer as I am as an illustrator, um, something I'm working on, but I would say that the exercise of reading and writing as much as I did as a history major played a pretty big part in me wanting to also write in addition to drawing. And so I think when you're creating a character and maybe you're having a hard time coming up with a different approach or that kind of thing, that's when you can really kind of go back and do some research and create, you know, find reference material that will help inform the design. So maybe that too, maybe the research part of it also plays a part. Yeah. And then just, I actually mentioned to Thomas Taylor when I was speaking to him, he went to middle grade through kids' books which was kind of funny that he also did, like, he had a roundabout way almost of coming into what's now the Malamander series, which is, it seems like, how could you not have always known you were going to write this? But I was talking about graphic novels. So for you, coming as an illustrator, have you thought about any of that sort of stuff yet that you went instead for children's book? Or was that because you were in Scholastics so you went to children's books? Or graphic novels might be, who knows? Well, it's funny. So I wrote a graphic novel yeah. um, a, a while ago and have the whole character in the world and I have it all planned out. This was back when I was at Scholastic. I was lucky enough to get an agent because of this story that I had. And then I think it was just a matter of me being a little bit too green. You know, okay. it's a little too new to the industry where to do a graphic novel is such a large project. I wouldn't necessarily say that a picture book is less challenging because a picture book, you have 32 pages and you want to try and keep things to the point. Anyway, so I think that I've always loved graphic novels. I especially was drawn to them because working at Scholastic, and seeing how the graphics division and David Saylor and that whole team, how large a role they played in making graphic novels, I think, such a popular medium was also very profound to see. So I think maybe at some point I will make my way back to graphic novels because clearly they're not going away. I see more and more all the time and the quality is clearly there. It's such an exciting part of the publishing industry that I think one day I will dust off my old idea and give it another go now that I've had more experience. But it is one of those things where it's like you're making such a commitment to tell a story like that because you're responsible for the words and the pictures and there are so many pictures. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, but you never know. I, it's, I mean, Malinander series is the first middle grade series that I've worked on. And I think Maria, the art director, who's wonderful, found my work on Instagram. And when I was presented with the idea, I said, well, you know, I've, I've really kind of just focused on picture books, but this seems like a fun challenge and it takes a little adjusting. But again, because the team I'm working with is so great, I was able to be brought in pretty seamlessly. And now I love it. Like I love working on projects like that because it's a little bit more challenging. You have these chapters and you really kind of want to fit in one visual or two visuals that are really going to capture the moment. And there's a little bit more pressure. I think with a graphic novel, you have so many pictures to use to convey the action. So there's less emphasis on each image to communicate all the information. Whereas I think when you're doing something like a middle grade book like Malinander, it's like, all right, well, this is the page where the illustrations are going to appear. And there's some buildup to it. It's an important moment. That's why we're dedicating an image to it. So you want to make sure that you do a good job of capturing that moment, which is part of the fun, the challenge and the fun. Yeah. It's almost like graphic novels are like adult versions of picture books, but 
if someone doesn't think that's like a big deal, then maybe they don't really appreciate picture books because yeah, you have to understand the format, the, like the blend of, of imagery and language, I guess. For But okay, well, anyway, well, back to the Metal series then. So you sort of preempted... I was going to ask how you got into it. So why were you chosen for Malamander? How does that process work? Do they send you the novel and they have to read it all and then you figure out the images or they tell you this will be an image? So how does that whole thing work? I've only really worked with the Walker team, so I would imagine that other publishing imprints do it differently. But for the most part, I would say that with books, picture book, middle grade, etc., you are approached for the job because they feel that your style would be a good fit. I would guess the first step is an art director looking at the type of work that you do and thinking that, okay, there's potential here for this illustrator to sort of get all the things that we're going for. And those could be humor and maybe a little bit of tension and different emotions that you want to have conveyed in the art. So Maria, I think, saw some of that in my work on my social media accounts. And then they presented me with a manuscript, told me the scope of the story, which was something that was new to me. Picture books don't usually have sequels unless they're super successful. So for there to be a larger story that Thomas created, was just different. It was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be with these characters over time. Yeah. Um, and that's this other variable that I never really had to consider before. The other challenge is it's all in black and white. So that was another sort of constraint, which I actually get excited about because I cut my teeth on graphite and paper. I still think there's nothing better. So anyway, they presented me with a manuscript. I read it. I loved it. It had all of these different characters who I immediately liked. And then also there was this promise of a monster, which who doesn't want to draw monsters? You know, that, that's the dream. It's like, and then also Thomas, I would say where I feel very fortunate is Thomas started as an illustrator. Yeah. So he understands how to visualize things. And he almost thinks as a character designer or a set designer as he's writing. The details that he chooses to emphasize are hugely helpful. And I felt like I was able to really kind of see where he was going and then add my own little touches. And so when I saw the manuscript and fell for it, I told my agent that I was interested and then we were off to the races. And from there, the art director, Maria, who really has a vision for the book, what should the book look like? cover and papers interior art etc she'll give me kind of like an itemized list of where she thinks the best moments are for illustrations and that's kind of an open conversation you know you can say you know while I, when i was reading it this moment really stuck out and you know i'm lucky to have a team that responds well to that but then once that list is nailed down then it's just a matter of putting your head down and putting the pen to paper and trying to get through those illustrations as quickly as you can because you want to have time to have the work reviewed by both the, the publisher and then the author to make sure that, again, the vision that you're presenting is in line with what they were thinking. And that can go any which way. It can be challenging yeah. sometimes. And sometimes you're just like, oh, you're not really getting it. And But other times it can be really delightful because if the story is well-written enough and if the world is as realized as the world of Malamander is, then usually there's not that disconnect. Usually you can find a common ground pretty quickly, which is a great feeling. And are you directly in touch with Thomas at any Like, are you supposed to be? Or were you directly in touch with Thomas about the illustrations at, at which point? So to answer your question, not really. I mean, okay. I've met Thomas. We've talked stories of illustration, that kind of thing. And, but it was sort of after Malamander was done. Yeah. Um, I think typically publishers like to keep the author and the illustrator separated because yes. um, everyone is doing their passion, you know? Yeah. And when you have a lot of passionate people 
sharing a space. I think sometimes it's helpful to have a mediator. So the publisher is they're doing a lot of things in the production of the book. They're making sure that the author's vision is being realized and the author feels like they have their creative freedom, but they're also trying to design the book in such a way so that it fits for a certain market, especially I think middle grade series and, and, and Malamander having the reach that it has being read all over the world, it looks different depending on you know where you're reading it. Um, yep. The cover is different. Yep. So, And well, just because now you mentioned it, just because you're doing the illustration inside doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have anything to do with the cover. Do they also usually keep those or they could keep those separate? Or if you're signing on for one, it's all art of the book. It varies. I think so I did covers for the Malamander series that were for the American market, but then they also ended up switching those because I think that there's a certain aesthetic that fits for the middle grade market. Yeah. And I think because I'm a little bit new and you know still learning, it was a better fit for one of the other designs that have been used for the series to be adopted. So I think it depends. I think that there are publishers who will have artists just do the cover and then have another artist do the interiors, or sometimes they'll have that artist do both. I guess it just depends case to case. Yeah, because I spoke to cover designer um, Leo Nichols, and he was speaking about how he would love to do interior, like sort of what you did, but he right now he's just doing cover design. But it kind of makes sense also, because they can ask you to do, if they love your illustration, so you do the cover, the cover's going to look great, so they think it looks great, but then only once it's out of the market will they see how people actually react to it, or see if one yep. cover has better... It's not even on the illustrator, that could just be whatever the market's saying at that point, so... Yeah, I think... There's really no way to predict once yeah. the book is on a shelf, how it will look, how it will be received and that kind of thing. And it's one of the challenges of the job, which I think is what makes cover design so exciting is like, how can I grab someone's attention? Because this book is going to be, you have to almost imagine when you're looking at the cover of, let's say it's a book that you created or a book that you love, you have to sort of imagine it being surrounded by other covers right. um, and how are you going to get it to stand out? And so that's the fun challenge for the illustrator, I think, and the art director. They're really a team when it comes to that. So when they first came to you, they knew it was going to be a trilogy and they said, we've got this trilogy and they signed you for the full trilogy and then only later became a five book deal or what were you told when they first presented it to you? It was a trilogy. And I think because Thomas has created characters that people are falling for, myself included, yeah. <laughs> I think he had a grander vision from the start. I think it was always Thomas's plan to tell more of the story. But when it was presented to me, it was presented as a trilogy. The tricky part about publishing is that the process of creating these books can take time. Yes. You can be very available when you get that first offer, and then your situation may be a little bit different when they're like, oh, this is great. We've got a lot more interest in more <laughs> storytelling, and you just kind of have to hope you can get the band back together is basically a good way to probably put it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And then did you have a thought of like, oh, man, I better get Herbie and Violet. I better get them right because I'm going to have to look at them for three books. And if like even something is off about the uniform is going to drive me crazy for another three books. You don't think like that. I, like No, I mean, I should probably. The process of finding Herbie and Violet took some time just because, again, it's like you read the story and as you're reading, you're formulating them in your head, right? But every reader is doing that. So there are probably thousands of different versions of Herbie and Violet out there. But because it's my job to put that idea down on paper, there's that chance that your vision won't align with someone else's. So it took a little bit of figuring out. 
with Maria and then also Thomas because we wanted his input as well. And I think once we landed on them, I felt pretty comfortable with their design because I'm drawn to simplicity. Like I like when designs, illustrations and character design, that kind of thing are a little bit on the simpler side. What I will say, however, that I was doing a lot of cross hatching for these illustrations because I wanted everything to have like a little bit of a worn or weathered or eerie vibe yeah. like eerie on sea. And cross hatching is a pretty time consuming approach for illustrators. And <laughs> I'm Maybe I would have taken a different approach, but I, I, I don't think I would have. As long as I'm drawing, I'm happy, you know? Yeah. So the only tricky part now is how do you fit in as many ideas as you can in the time that you're given, right. which is the fun part of the job, so. It's like one of those things where it was a good idea at the time, and then as you have to do the work, you're like, whose idea was this? Even though you know it's still a good idea. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's another part of, like, uh, I guess any job, but, like, especially a creative one, is a good thing to prepare for, too, is, like, you might be super passionate about something that you've created as a part of someone else's story. Right. And sometimes you want to fight for it. You want to be like, no, but, like, wouldn't it be so cool if yeah. the character had this kind of hat, you know? Yeah. But there is also something to be said about handing over the reins completely and just being a part of someone's vision which is I think a big reason why I do what I do it's just a different way of experiencing stories that is just awesome you know yeah. like I like just the idea that Thomas has thought through so much more of the story than what is put down on paper he's thought through this whole world so much that you might have a question that you'll think oh there's no way you've got an answer for this but he usually does <laughs> well it's just it's cool yeah because of that and when you especially these ones that you've drawn that are the black and white and sort of I'll call it a sketch look but because it's not the full color illustration you draw on paper before translating that digitally or is that everything done digitally so these days it's all digital just because it's faster that's okay. really kind of the main reason there's a big part of me that wishes that i had more time to do more sketches with graphite or charcoal or ink even but unfortunately it's just even though books feel like they take a while to produce that's just because there's so many different parts of the process that have to be squeezed in and you need to be kind of quick the other big thing is and fortunately this hasn't really happened very much with this book but i've had the experience with other books that i've worked on where you'll get close to the end of the production process and then all of a sudden someone will be like you know what? we really think that this hat should be yellow with purple polka dots and then oh, it's like yeah, oh, yeah. oh well now you now you got to go back to every page where that hat appears right and you have to make those changes and if you were doing this with traditional tools that would be a lot harder than going into a digital file and just making a quick update i don't mean to not digital i, I clearly love it because it's the tools that i use but i think there's just like a, a part of me that looks back on one of the days when i was little and just drawing with pencil and paper and it's just you miss the sensation of graphite on paper it's just it's pretty special so yeah well hey i read regular books i don't use an e-reader so <laughs> and i was totally the go. same there, there you go, go. Because of the yeah. smell you know the, the, the yeah. so many parts of it yeah but i just yeah. gotta just because of the illustrations, and I told this to Thomas also, Mermonkey, so creepy looking, which I guess means that you got it right, but it is so creepy looking. That was one of the fun parts about this whole series <laughs> was I've never really done a ton of creepy drawings, which is, a, I think, a testament to Maria for her to see that potential. She, I think she was able to look at my work and took a maybe a little bit of a risk and being like, I think this guy can make me creepy. <laughs> I guess yeah, it's a compliment. Yeah. started out cuter, for sure. The Mermonkey yeah. started out a little bit cuter, and then Maria kind of nudged me along a little bit and I was like all right I had nightmares just like any other kid I know what to do here and also I grew up my parents collect antiques and so many antiques out in the world that dolls antique dolls and stuff like that that I, I will forever remember as a child <laughs> and uh and so you draw inspiration from from all over yes definitely 
But I think it's in Gargantus though. It's not in Malamander where Lady Kraken, right? She's Lady Kraken. She gets up and she dances. That drawing, yeah. I burst out laughing from that one. That one was fantastic. So, that's, yeah. Thank you so much. That's <laughs> actually my favorite drawing from that book. It's just every now and then you kind of get lucky with a pose. Yeah. And I just love her. Like, I love her character <laughs> so much. And I just, I got so excited about that. And Maria also is very encouraging of like sometimes just stripping away of a background, you know, and just sort of really keeping it very focused on the character. So yeah. I'm, re- I'm really glad you like that one because that one probably my favorite illustration in that book. Yes, it was perfect that it was just her and the feeling of the moment was there. You just, you just see that image, you're like, yep, I get it. I know exactly what just went, like happened almost. Well done. <laughs> it was so good. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to the rest of the series. Like, I know I should probably be reading more big kid books because I'm not a kid, but I love this series, and I can't wait for the books. I can't wait for to see more of the illustrations. I'm very excited for it. It just keeps getting better and better. I yeah. Mean, Thomas, I have to believe that when, as I'm reading his stories, that, like, so much of these stories come in large chunks to him, if not all at once, because it feels so realized. Yeah. At the same time, he also has the humor and charm yes. and... Um, <laughs> And that's why I think they've been just so much fun to develop with him and the Walker team, just because they're awesome. They are fun stories. Like, and, and I I have a hard time picking a favorite, but I will say that I feel like it keeps getting better and better the more I read. Yeah, because that's exactly it. You want it to just be so much fun. It's a kid adventure. Even though I'm a little bit in denial that, I don't know about whatever he's going to do with the fifth book, but almost I'm like worried if Herbie's not going to be like the lost and founder anymore. I'm like, I don't think I can deal with that. So <laughs> I just need him to just stay frozen in this. I don't want it to get older. I want. I just want him to just, him and Violet are off doing their thing. Can't happen, but I wish it could. I think you should just read, get the book. And then as you're reading, if you get the sense that maybe he's going to do a turn or just put the book down, you know, <laughs> just maybe, or maybe skip ahead like 20 pages. You know? <laughs> Everyone will be like, it ends here. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Not for me. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I'll tell no. you. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. That's oh, a man. Plan. It's a foolproof plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't want to, but we got to wrap up. We always wrap up with that fill in the blank of level one writers, illustrators, stories, agents, publishers, uh, whatever you want to take and fill. I love it. I really like it when they do X, and I really don't like it when they do X. So, how would you fill in the blank for that? Okay, so I'll just give a general shout out to other picture book authors and illustrators. I love it when you can read a book and you can tell that there was that collaboration that went on where Mm. the author knew, I'm going to tell this part of the story and the illustrator is going to tell this part of the story. And when the pictures and the words come together so beautifully... It's really kind of, I think, a special thing that's almost exclusive to picture books because they balance out so well. Yeah. And I think the same can be said for middle grade. Just this understanding that there's a team behind these books. Obviously, the author is the creator and, and the, the chef, if you will, but everyone brings something different to these books, which is really how I think some of them end up being so great and so special. And so they transport you. So that's the thing that I love. I think the thing that I, I don't want to use the word hate, but I would just say it's a little bit of an inconvenience yeah. is when, when you're working on a book and one of the if a character's hat has to change, or <laughs> if, you know, and you're, and you're near the end. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the job. This is not me complaining. I'm literally living my dream. But <laughs> when it does come, when you do get those emails, you're like, oh, we were so <laughs> close. We were so close. But no, it's truly like I kick myself thinking back on little me standing next to Stephen Kellogg being like, wow, what a lucky guy. I'm kind of doing what he was doing. So well, can't complain. Amazing. Well, I certainly look forward to seeing what else you're going to be part of. And this is all very exciting. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks so much for your time for speaking with me. It's been such a treat. 
Thank you. Thank you, Esther. And I'll just add that I also am going to have a, a picture book with the Walker team that I am in the process of illustrating. So you can keep an eye out for that oh, yeah. um, down the road. Yes. Amazing. It's been a a real treat, and I really appreciate the opportunity to say how much I've enjoyed these books in particular, but also just the work that I do of illustrating as well. This was a bonus episode of Own My Work podcast featuring illustrator, writer, character designer Tom Booth. To find out more about Tom and his work, please check out the link in the episode notes. To find out more about Own My Work podcast and all the great stuff we're up to, please check us out on Instagram at Own My Work podcast, or check us out at eltenenbaum.com. Music is by Tim Burke. Thanks so much for joining us. Catch you next time.